HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. During this time, it's more important than ever to support our friends and neighbors in the restaurant industry. Restaurant Workers Community Foundation has set up a national COVID-19 crisis relief fund. The money they raise will provide direct relief to individual restaurant workers, support other nonprofits serving restaurant workers in crisis, and offer zero-interest loans for restaurants to get back up and running. Visit restaurantworkerscf.org to donate today. And if you need a little extra motivation, you can DM your $20 donation to RWCF's co-founder, John DeBerry, on Twitter, and he'll give you directions for making a signature quarantine cocktail. Donate now at restaurantworkerscf.org. Okay, welcome, welcome, welcome to Life is a Banquet, a show about something, but I don't remember what day is it. My name's Zara. Who are you? <laughs> I'm Nicole. <laughs> Hello, friend. Hi. Yeah, Zara was just telling you before we started recording that our episodes aren't funny anymore because we can't see each other, so I'm sorry, everyone. It's true. Um, stink. Hello, Santo. What do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> I want your face. In my face. <laughs> Everyone's recording without seeing each other right now, though, aren't they? Well, I. <laughs> this just brings me to my next point, which is... So, did you see the thing about the guy who was... The reporter who was re- reporting with no pants on? No, I feel like you have, like, a news alert for, like, reporters causing trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's animals causing trouble. I know. I think you just like you're like causing trouble. I just like your... anything that causes trouble. <laughs> yeah, as your Google alert. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm gonna put on an a Fester ma- an Uncle Fester mask. <laughs> now you're just gonna not make the audio better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, I was just looking for batteries and I found my dad's <clears throat> my dead dad's old Uncle Fester mask. Wow. From the year, like, 1992, when we went as Wednesday and Fester Adams. I think that the reason why the shows aren't funny anymore is because you are just digging through all of your junk during. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to do another week of a junk episode? Come on. This week on the the junk cast. Uh, uh, Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, blessed be thy. How are you? What's happening? 
Um, I'm fine. I'm drinking some wine, some vino, as they say in oh. Italy. <laughs> Excuse me. And also in Mexico. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and Spain. Oh, man. It's called vino all over the world. It's yeah. actually only called wine here. And, you know, some people don't even call it wine here. That's true. <laughs> some people call it toilet wine. My favorite thing <laughs> to pretend to do when I'm working in a restaurant is to dare the servers to <laughs> ask a table if they can bring them some more vino instead of wine. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great prank. That's a funny one. That reminds me of how I was just telling my friend this yesterday, how uh, at Brucey, when someone used to not respond, we'd be like, bye guys, have a good night. And they wouldn't respond. We would say, I love you to them. Yes. And be like, I love you. Call me. Uh, there's so many pranks you can play on tables. What else? Yeah. What's another? But Do you have any other faves? Embarrassing yourself enough to say <laughs> I get you some more vino can I bring yeah. you some more vino <laughs> it takes a bold personality it takes someone confident in their sense of self <laughs> absolutely yeah that's really funny though that's like a really funny one that's a good um joke. yeah well what we used to do which is actually copied off of a movie starring Steve Martin where I think it's called Leap of Faith oh he plays yeah a, he plays a preacher great just watched it recently um so they during the move he's a he's an evangelist type of guy so they they come up with phrases that they dare him to try to fit into his (laughs) preaching um and it's like a bet and (laughs) the one i remember was like aluminum siding and somehow he manages to get aluminum Mm -hmm. siding into his thing so i would mostly this is a brucey i would basically dare people to somehow work in like words to their (laughs) table side (laughs) interactions and the one I remember the most was copacetic I kept trying to get (laughs) servers to be like is everything copacetic (laughs) but no one would do it because it's too humiliating it is humiliating (laughs) meanwhile there's like a dude out there who just says that normally and doesn't think anything of it yeah everything (laughs) copacetic Yeah, exactly. His name is Keith. (laughs) And that man's name is definitely Keith. Mm -hmm. Hernandez. (laughs) Wow, that's hilarious. Um, What are you, so what are you drinking? Are you drinking wine? I forgot how this started. Is that what we were talking about? Yeah, I'm drinking like a, it's like a rosé slash chilled red. That's the half red, half white? Yeah. (laughs) 50-50. I've lost it. I just take some dark, dark red wine and I put water in it. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. It's very Bukowski of you. Well, and a little uh, uh, hard seltzer. Ooh, <laughs> ooh. What was that? What that Britney Spears used to drink? Pepsi and wine. It's I have like no a, idea. Yeah, she used to drink Pepsi and wine. It has some kind of name like hillbilly sangria or something. <laughs> I don't know. Well, in Spain, people mix Coca-Cola and cheap red wine. Yeah, sure. The kids, I'd, I'll allow the it. Kids drink that. I can't, I can't pronounce it. It's one of those Spanish words with an X in it, so I'm, like, not even going to try. Oh, no, please, yeah. Spare us. Uh, <laughs> Spare us. <laughs> Can you just sneeze into the phone? No, I cough. My allergies are really bad. I don't know why I haven't left my home. I'm taking my allergy medicine as directed. Blow in the window. It's not. I opened the windows yesterday. I didn't open them today. It's cold. Mm, yeah, my allergies are terrible, actually, as well. I have, like... Uh, 
swollen glands from them. Yeah. And yeah, I get really bad allergies. They make like my like right behind my ears like get very tender when my allergies are bad. Yeah. And I get very sleepy. Well, I I've also been taking a friend I bought an herbal allergy concoction from them. So maybe that is what it is. Like maybe it's just like has kind of like overwhelmed. It's like getting a shot, you know. Like, sure, sure. You think maybe you're allergic to the allergy medicine. Well, the allergy medicine is itself small amounts of things that you would normally be allergic to, and so you take right. it daily, so then your body gets used to it. So there's, like, ragweed in there and stuff like that. Okay. Interesting. So, that reminds me of, like, when there you have a pest problem. You have, like, a cockroach, so you get, like, a cat, but then the cat becomes a problem. So you have just send in a dog, but then the dog's an issue, so you have to get, like, a tiger. <laughs> it's just, like, <laughs> your house is full of pests. all kinds of pests. I like the scenario of the dog is going to eat the cat. <laughs> yeah, and then also you just have a tiger available. <laughs> Eating your dog. <laughs> Dude, I have something funny to tell you. So I, like, put some plants out on my little back. I have, like, a basically a glorified fire escape. It's not really quite a deck, but you can definitely stand out there. So I put some you plants out. You can't escape from there, though. <laughs> you, that's the irony in it. You cannot uh, escape. Oh, you went away. But you, Hello, can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, phew, because this story is about to get very funny. So it's just like a little mini deck situation, um, but you can't escape in a fire. You'll die if you try to escape, but you can put plants out there. Mm-hmm. So a couple of years ago, I put plants out and like squirrels dug them up and ate them. So this year I'm sure. like, you know what? I want to put plants out, but I have to figure out what to do about these squirrels. So I start researching squirrel prevention and it is quite the black hole. Yes, First of all, I go in and I'm like reading and it's like, scare them, alert them. And then it says and a way to get to keep them away is to exclude them, <laughs> which I thought was so funny. Like the popular girls in high school? Yes, exclude them. Then, okay, this was maybe like the funniest thing. was. This is why I, urban, urban people can't grow strawberries because of the damn squirrels. They eat them. Well, I figured out how to get rid of them. You just ignore them. <laughs> so... <laughs> But then this one article Did said... Did one come into your house? What? Did yes, one, one like, tried to come into my house. One tried to... One nibbled its way through my screen. And I caught it, like, halfway in. And I said, get out of here, you! I, and I scared it away, as as recommended in these articles. But this is the really the craziest part. This article starts off by saying, first, you need to identify that you have a squirrel. Oh, okay. And then it describes what it is, and it says, weighing an average... Weighing an average of 16 to 24 ounces, the, <laughs> so you're going to fucking throw this thing on a scale. <laughs> the type of squirrel that is probably causing damage your garden is the common gray squirrel. Then it like describes what color it is. It's gray. It's fluffy. Blah, blah, blah. We then live says, in New York. There's gray squirrels all around us no, only. Shit. If we you don't, don't have brown know, squirrels. Dude, if you don't know what a squirrel is, then I don't think you should be planting anything. I think you should stay in, you're not qualified to do much if you don't know, if you can't identify a squirrel, right? Well, okay, first of all, that's a very urban outlook. People Ooh. in other areas have different types of squirrels and also chipmunks. So oh, okay. You don't, okay. maybe you don't want to kill them. That's you just fair. Kill the gray squirrel, which are the, the smartest, meanest squirrel. Listen, this isn't inferring that we should kill any of it. It's just saying that we should exclude them <laughs> okay, and ignore right. them and be mean to them. So then it says its body is 8 to 11 inches long and its vocal core is a rapid crick, 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 quack, quack, similar, similar to a duck. Huh. Okay. <laughs> 
then it said that you should get uh, predator pee and use that as repellent. <laughs> but I looked online for fucking wolf pee, and you can only get it in like five gallon drums. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't think that fucking squirrels that live in New York are scared of wolves. They've never even seen a wolf. What's their natural predator? There is none. It's human. So use your own pee. Right. So that's my next move. But so then I just mix together vinegar and cayenne pepper and peppermint oil and put like uh, aluminum foil in the planters because they don't like shiny things. And it's been pretty good. They haven't come near it. Where do you put the vinegar mixture? You put it in a spray bottle and spray it on the plants and the, the plants don't get affected by it. So. Oh. Yeah. It's pretty good. And then, oh, you also soak... Um, peppermint oil, cotton boil, cotton balls in peppermint oil and shove it in the soil. That sounds like a poem. <laughs> I feel like everybody's like cockroaches and mice hate peppermint oil. Just put it all around your house. I don't believe that shit. You don't? <laughs> I, I never heard that, but I do put peppermint oil in my um, diffuser just because I like the smell of it. And uh, I don't have any cockroaches and I think it's also a man repellent apparently (laughs) (laughs) cock repellent also right 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 right. maybe i was reading the wrong article yeah (laughs) like the cockroaches they love it the cockroaches love it human cocks do not care for it so (laughs) that's probably the only issue why we are single living single this is liquid carolina black gold just like the dirt i use in my plants <laughs> <laughs> are these plants like food plants or just regular plants no no they're just de- purely decorative i mean i guess at some point i might have to eat them but not yet the squirrels <laughs> are just eating your decorative plants yeah they're just fucking <laughs> assholes they hide their <laughs> shit in there and then they dig it up and then they just snatch the flowers they don't eat them they just destroy it what do they hide in there nuts yeah nuts <laughs> exactly uh Bits of nut, nut meat. Huh. It's crazed. Anyway, what, uh, you know, I wanted to talk to you about one political thing that I thought was absolutely hilarious that showed up in my newsfeed this morning, which was Joe Biden <laughs> falling asleep yesterday while Hillary Clinton was endorsing him on Zoom. <laughs> Did you see mm. this? No. He, he slumbered. During the endorsement, he went to bed. <laughs> did he really fall asleep or did he have like a little seizure or something? Who knows? He went to bed and then he was like <gasps> startled awake. <laughs> that is crazy. I'm not yeah. going to watch that. It's dark. No, you should watch it. It's very funny. It's very, it's really affirming. Um, so I <laughs> encourage all of you, you bros out there, you Biden loving bros to take a gander at your boy, Sleepy Jones. Or just read up on how Terry's story keeps getting corroborated over and over again. Over and over again. It's really funny. I have people, there's a couple folks I'm thinking of in particular, but like, especially one person, you know, like these kind of like fake male feminist types. And they're like, I remember when the (laughs) whole Christine Blasey Ford thing was happening. This one dude was like, hey, just checking in. Just want to make sure you're okay. You're not triggered. (laughs) First of all, I was like, I don't even know you. This is like the same person who was like, and then the next sentence, so like, do you want to hook up? But uh, <laughs> then I saw in their Instagram story, they're like, uh, like praising Joe Biden, like clapping hands for like him just nearly waking up and showing his face like once per month. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is just so funny to me. What a bizarre, bizarre world we live in. Yeah. 
Yeah. Aww, well, we kidding. made it. We made our bed. Yeah. No, just you know, had four four human years to pick any viable human being to run for president, but instead we chose Rip Van Winkle Biden. But that's cool. And then Cuomo fucking canceled the primary, which is like, yeah. what the fuck, bro? Yeah, but everybody loves him because he has nipple rings. <laughs> that guy. He's cool. He's great. He's a real piece of shit. He also knocked the workers' family, the working family party off of the ballot. There's a lot of problems with this crisis daddy, as he's being referred to. Yeah, crisis daddy is uh, problematic, highly. Big problems. Yep. But he has I'm nipple rings. I'm glad that his girlfriend broke up with him during the crisis. <laughs> Me too. She's by herself, semi-homemaking mad shit that he can't eat. Take that, crisis daddy. Oh, I was like, why can't he eat? Does he have dietary restrictions? Yeah, he's kosher. Gluten-free. He's he's vegan. He's a vegan, as my mom and my late father would say. They both said vegan for some reason. I mean, it's a thing. Oh, okay, good. Uh, Should we get into our topic? Sure. Hi, part two. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, if people didn't like our pie episode, I don't care. <laughs> I liked it. I listened to it while I was walking, strolling on the beach by myself the other day. <laughs> well, listening to my own voice. Problem. The wind was in your ears and you couldn't hear all the fun that was happening. No, no, it was funny. It was really fun. It was great. I just missed looking at your face, that's all. I know. It's very attractive, oval-shaped. Well, it is very attractive. And I must say that um, you have the best skin of anyone that I know. You don't have a single or married wrinkle. And it, you're always dewy and fresh looking. Yeah, I like to grease up. Although I have been getting some wrinkles. It's very annoying. <laughs> yeah. It's very, I've been sitting in my house, not seeing the sun, not smoking cigarettes. I think not smoking is what gave me wrinkles. Should we talk about very quickly how apparently smoking prevents coronavirus? Oh, yeah. This is 100% true and researched information Um, that I got from a Vice article. (laughs) I read it a couple places, though, including the WAPO. Yeah, the the WAPO bar. The good old Um, WAPO. And the the failing New York Times. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there's, for whatever, although uh, initially they attributed all the the men deaths in China to the fact that only men in China smoke, not women. Um, yeah. yeah, it seems like for whatever reason, smokers are are being hospitalized less uh, for for Corona. They're still dying of cancer as they normally would have. <laughs> I know. I had this moment where I was like, "Yes, like I can like smoke." I'm like, "I'm gonna go get a pack of cigarettes. I'm gonna start smoking." And I'm like, "I haven't smoked a cigarette in like two months now, almost," and I feel pretty good without it. Why am I gonna start smoking again just because like I can? But I I don't know. I know there's also an article that debunked the the link between vaping and corona, increased corona risk, and I was like, oh, I should go vape, but I haven't yet, so we'll see. I'm also doing fine without it, but I still want it. But and it's not good for you. And if like you're really getting along without it, might as well use this as a time to not do it. But it's so fun. Yeah, I've decided that basically I'm doing really well on all of my goals of drinking and not smoking and it's because there's no temptation <laughs> there's because i have a really hard time saying no to like people and hanging right. out so since yeah. that's not an option i'm being perfectly good and pure so i'm gonna yeah. wait until there's temptation to fail i agree I'm, i feel I mean, i'm not gonna way. fail i'm just like 
I actually want to save it for when it's going to be fun with other people. I agree. I very much look forward to sitting outside with you. I'm thinking the Commodore, but it could be anywhere um, in the warm weather and like chain smoking and talking a lot of shit. Um, yeah, but uh, no chain. I don't even know about the chains anymore. I have a, I have an appreciation for cigarettes now that I didn't have before, which is good. Okay, well, what I you dare know? you not to chain smoke with me, but that's fine. Anyway, great. Should we talk about today's topic? What is it going to be? Today's topic is condiments, but more specifically for me is actually I didn't mean for this to happen, but it's relish. Oh, <laughs> you didn't mean for it to happen. No. How did I, it happen? Well, How do you I wanted, accidentally do relish? <laughs> well, I wanted to start with, I wanted to talk about Jardinera, which I'm pretty sure I talked about in another episode, but I don't care. I love um, it. And then also Chow Chow, and and then it just rounded out with another relish, so. Wow. All right. And then I ran out of time, so. <laughs> That's great. No, I love, but, I love all of those. I love Chow Chow, love Jardinera, love relish. Get into it. Yeah, and it's also funny because similarly to pie, I'm actually not like a... T- I don't like sweet pickle relish, which is what I grew up with thinking is the only thing that relish was. Mm-hmm. Confusing. Uh, it's almost like growing up and you think your mom is your mom, but really she's your... Or you think your mom is she's your sister, your grandma, but really she's yeah. your... Yeah, that's <laughs> basically almost exactly the same as yeah. with the relish. Exactly the same. <clears throat> um, okay, so I'm going to start with Chow Chow, which is... A relish. It can. It varies um, depending on where you eat it, of what it's made out of. Um, so there's a northern variety that's mostly in Pennsylvania, and that one is like the chunkier one, which is green and red tomatoes, onions, carrots, sometimes beans, asparagus, peas, and cauliflower. Mm. Um, all pickled together, chopped up pretty finely, and like pickled in vinegar. Uh, the southern variety is some variation of that but there's always cabbage involved apparently so mm. it's it's interesting um the original version they think is canadian um and the biggest because you you mostly find chow chow in the south um and people believe that it's because the in canada during the french and indian war <laughs> which was yes. a while ago Um, the Acadian people, which were like, you know, the French colonized Canada early on, um, and the, the Acadian people were mostly descendants of those French colonizers. Um, a lot of them were kind of like descendants of the French colonizers and the indigenous people of the area too. Hmm. Um, so during the war, the Brits were like, get out of here. We know that you guys are on the side of the French and we hate you. Um, so they like expelled them from the country and eventually they sort of managed to settle in Louisiana. It's very interesting, actually. I think that if you're interested in stuff like this, you should look it up because basically they ended up settling in Louisiana after going back to France because right. Spain was like, hey, we have this area. Do you want to go down there? And they're like, sure. Or whatever sure is in French. And then they oui. basically, we. We, we, we. And so then they became Cajun people. Congrats. HFA. Uh, so, um, <laughs> 
So that is a very brief, very silly history of how Cajun people came to exist in Louisiana. Um, But, uh, yeah, so Chow Chow is traditionally Southern, but you can find it in places like Pennsylvania. But it's, it's really, it's delicious. I've always seen the green and red tomato version myself. And I never ate it as a child because I don't like vegetables. So I only ate it as an adult um, you know what and, else is sometimes in Chow Chow is uh, Swiss chard stems. Oh, really? Yeah, that maybe that makes sense. Um, it's delicious. It's really delicious. good. It's like vegetables. Yeah, the name is adorable. Um, in the South, it's often used. <clears throat> the name is used interchangeably with piccalilli, but they're actually two different relishes. So, piccalilli is it's originated in England. Um, which is, it's like a mustard relish. So it's like oh, mm-hmm. mustard and turmeric. It's really bright yellow. Um, but in the Midwest, piccalilli is actually made with chopped gherkins, which is essentially just pickle relish. Um, with mustard? With, well, no, in the Midwest, it doesn't have mustard in it. It's just oh, called okay. piccalilli. It's really fascinating. Like the whole oh, like wow. way that things like turn. Yeah. So. Even though people call pickle relish piccalilli in the Midwest, it doesn't really bear any resemblance to the original from England. Um, piccalilli is the base, however, for neon relish, which is yeah. found in Chicago exclusively, oh, wow. um, which is a bright fluorescent green pickle relish, like a sweet pickle relish. That um, It's like glow-in-the-dark green. <laughs> and... Uh, essentially they believe that it was a food coloring accident. So they think that the pickling plant was trying to sort of make up for color variations in the different pickles in the relish. So they added too much food coloring and it made this neon green pickle relish. Um, it's been around since 1940. Oh, it's so green. Yeah. It's like, it's crazy. Oh, that's so crazy. Whenever I've seen this on a Chicago hot dog, I think I've always thought it was scallions. (laughs) You know, it's it's food coloring in your relish. Wow, it looks delicious. Like a Chicago hot dog with a pickle and like... And a tomato. Ooh, that looks good. And jardinera. Yum. Ooh, I'm hungry, I think. (laughs) Um, So jardinera is originally Italian. Um... And it was basically a way for people to preserve vegetables for the winter, you know, and back in the old times when people used to save things and grow their own food and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in Italy, it's more of an, an antipasto type of thing. It's more like pickled in vinegar. It's, it's like big pieces. You kind of would see it maybe on a charcuterie platter or something along those lines. Um, in Chicago, they actually use... Oil. So it's kind of like the Chicago Jardinera is, hold on, let me tell you what's in it first. It's sport peppers, red bell peppers, cauliflower, onions, carrots, and celery. It depends on who's making it. Some or all of these things could be interchanged. Um, I prefer cauliflower and carrots in mine. Yum. Um, But essentially you take all that first and then you pickle it in vinegar and then you serve it. Then you kind of like put oil in it and preserve it in oil when you're done. So it's like an oily, con- it's a condiment. So interesting because regular jardinera is like just so pickly. Yeah. Um, 
And in Chicago, it's actually so interesting because, to me anyway, because it's very specific to Chicago. Like, if you leave Chicago, you don't really see it around. Like, growing up in Indiana, I don't think that I ate it or saw it. Um, it's just very specific to Chicago. And its original use and what popularized it is the Italian beef sandwich, which is, like, really thinly sliced roast beef. You dip it in the jus. You got the pickly hot peppers Ooh. all over it. And yeah, I'm gonna look that up too. That sounds good. Italian it's really good. beef. Yeah, Italian beef. It's like the Chicago classic sandwich thing, um, and that's sort of where it all came from. Ooh, that looks good. But jardinera is just like so prevalent in Chicago, and it's actually becoming more and more popular across the United States. People think that it's because people are leaving Chicago and realizing they can't find it anywhere else. But oh, wow. for for whatever reason, it has started increasing in popularity. People are selling it way more than they ever have before, and it's really interesting. Also, Mike Ditka has his own brand of jardinera. Really? Yes. America's sweetheart, Mike Ditka? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I yeah. love jardinera. We used to make it at Brucey. It's so good. It's so I, good. There's just something about the... <clears throat> the thing about the oil also or like the vinegar and then the oil is it stays crunchy. So like the crunchy cauliflower and carrots, but they're like spicy also. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. also, in Chicago, they put it on everything. I had uh, jardinera on pizza when I was there visiting my sister last year Ooh, and it was so good. good. Yeah. Ooh, on pizza. You know what? I haven't had any food. This is just a sidebar, but I haven't had any food out, like, other than food that I've made myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't ordered any food. I was just thinking of, like, a takeout pizza. That sounds so good right now. With Yeah. Oof. Um, <coughs> how fun. Pardon me. Okay, I have one more pickle or relish yeah, to talk to you about. please. Oh, my God. This is amazing. Okay, we have to go across the pond. Oh, okay. Let's go. <laughs> I've got, I packed both our suitcases. And we're going to talk about Branson Pickle. <clears throat> never heard of it sorry my terrible allergies mine too um you've never heard of branson pickle no never really no i'm lying oh, I'm I, <laughs> yeah no i've never heard of it um wow okay so i'm sorry can we still do this podcast <laughs> together i have to go <laughs> <laughs> you squeeze me uh, so Branson Pickle is a jarred pickled chutney that was first made in 1922 in the village of Branston, which is in England, foggy old England. Wow, old London town. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it's made from chopped rutabaga, carrot, onion, and cauliflower, and it's pickled in a sauce of vinegar, tomato, apple, and spice. Oh, spice is my favorite. So it's essentially like a chutney, basically. Sure. Um, they sell 17 million jars in the UK every year, so people are into it. Whoa. Um, they also sell in the US. No word from Wikipedia on how many jars they sell in the US every year. But the annoying thing is that in the US, they use high fructose corn syrup to make it, but they still use sugar in the UK. Like, they're just like, we suck. <laughs> Why do we have to do everything, like, just worse? We find I don't know. Like, Let's make this in- worse. Infuriating. <laughs> it's fucked up. It's not worse. It's cheaper. It's like high fructose corn syrup is much right. cheaper mm-hmm. and it lasts longer. Blah, blah, right, blah, right. blah. Capitalism. Um, sure, but then the people don't last longer, which is, I guess, also good for capitalism. Yeah. Um, so Branson Pickle is typically served Ooh. in a plowman's lunch, 
which is something that I really like, a plowman's platter. We used to have a plowman's platter at the brew pub I worked at in Indianapolis. And oh, I it don't was know just, what it is. It's just basically a bunch of different, like, a bunch of vegetable. Like, the one in Indianapolis is not very British, but it was, you know, a bunch of raw vegetables, a hummus, a pita, olives. It's just, like, you know, a bunch oh, of different kinds of... Pack. Yeah. Um, and in England, the plowman's lunch is often served with Branson pickle, but also piccalilli, as I mentioned earlier, that mustard mm. relish. Um, so piccalilli comes in chunky, slightly less chunky, and smooth versions. <laughs> oh, which one would you go for? Well, I want the smooth version, but I've never had it before. Um, I would have any of them. The reason why I know about Branson pickle is because of the Branson pickle cheddar sandwiches that sort of had like a little mini thing in the U.S., I don't know, a couple years ago, a couple, three years ago. But basically, it's just, you know, bread, slices of cheddar, and this Branson pickle chutney on top, and it's delicious. That sounds amazing. I would love that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Branson also makes ketchup, mayonnaise, brown sauce, salad cream, (laughs) (laughs) and baked beans. So what is salad cream? (laughs) I hope, I wish you would tell us. I don't, it's just, it seems like it's just mayonnaise, but they also make mayonnaise, so I don't... I think salad cream is just, like, a thick salad dressing that's mayonnaise-based. That's my guess, and it's a disgusting way of saying it, because often in the UK, they have to find a gross way of saying everything. Well, that's the original way. They're before us, so... Yeah, salad dressing might sound gross to them. (laughs) Well, it's funny to me, I think that salad cream maybe is, like, Miracle Whip, because when I was a child, we used Miracle Whip like mayonnaise. And What's the I was, what is Miracle Whip? I don't even know the difference. I've never had it. Miracle Whip is like sweet and um, I don't know. I don't know the specific difference, but you can't use it interchangeably for mayonnaise. Oh. Um, also, if you say the word Miracle Whip in New York, everyone just starts throwing up because everyone's a snob here. But <clears throat> it's like sweet. It. It's like sweet mayonnaise, I think. Anyway, okay. it's very, it's very like seventies. Anyway, it always said salad dressing on the jar, and I was always confused as a child because I was like, mayonnaise as salad dressing? I don't understand. I know. It's strange. I'm reading uh, Wikipedia. According to Wikipedia, salad cream is a creamy, pale yellow condiment based on an emulsion of about 20 to 50% oil in water, emulsified by egg yolk, and acidulated by spirit vinegar. I know. Um, that's why I'm like, it sounds just like mayonnaise. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so... Oh. Due to a higher cost of ingredients during periods of rationing in the UK, a flavor similar to mayonnaise was achieved by the creation of salad cream. Ah, it's weird that they sell both now, though. Very weird. Historically, salad cream, often mentioned in Victorian sources, consisted of hard-boiled eggs puree with cream, mustard, salt, and vinegar. That sounds delicious. That's kind of like a uh, sauce gribiche. Totally. It's yeah. a gribiche, yeah. Yeah. Um, it. Sounds great. That's interesting. But but basically, I think Miracle Whip is definitely, like, 70s mayonnaise salad when you had, like, it's like the, what was that salad we were talking about last time with the marshmallows oh, in it? Oh, God. Um, ambrosia salad. Yeah. You would use Miracle Whip and ambrosia salad. That would be fine. Right. We went down a real rabbit hole of <laughs> ambrosia salad together. It's like getting a little drunk. I was like, what's happening? This is disgusting. Oh, were but we not on the podcast? Was I just in IRL? 
No, that was we chatted on the phone after the podcast for like seven <laughs> hours about fucking ambrosia salad. <laughs> well, everyone, look it up. There's marshmallows in it. Why? Why? God, why? <laughs> um, all right, amazing. Should we take a little break, Aru? Yeah. Quick word from our sponsor, Miracle Whip. <clears throat> As the news of coronavirus reverberates throughout the world, we at HRN are especially concerned about how coronavirus will impact our food system. We will use our platform to support the restaurant, agriculture, hospitality, and other food-related industries by maintaining our coverage and operations. As social distancing becomes the temporary norm, podcasts are more important than ever. There's never been a more crucial time to stay informed about the state of our food system and the way that food connects our global community. We're sharing all of our COVID-19 coverage at heritageradionetwork.org COVID-19. From interviews with nonprofit leaders and journalists to firsthand accounts from chefs and restaurant owners to reports on how the crisis is affecting regional farms. Our team is working remotely from all over to keep food radio alive. HRN needs your support more than ever to keep sharing essential stories and resources with our listeners. Make a donation of any amount. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Hello! Welcome. Hi. Welcome back to Life's Banquet, a podcast about cream. Um... (laughs) I, I'm going to do the history of mustard. Now, mustard is delicious. <laughs> it's yellow. <laughs> Sometimes it's brown. Sometimes it's gray. Poupon. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, Nicole. Now, I'm going to start this off with a little a question for you. Why did the mustard blush? I don't know. Because he saw the ranch dressing. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, <laughs> I think okay. it should be. It saw the Thousand Island dressing. I know that's. Sh- I mean, you could really have saw anything dressing, but he saw the Italian dressing. That would make more <laughs> sense, right? The Italian dressing or the French dressing, right? The ranch yes. dressing actually doesn't really make any sense at all. This, no who sense wrote at this all. Shit. Who the <laughs> fuck? Um. Okay, so I was very curious about the term cut the mustard. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Um, yeah, so I don't know. Grammar phobia. The phrase cut the mustard originated in the United States about 100 years ago. It was first recorded in an O. Henry story, which is a human man, not just a candy bar, published in 1902. So clearly this is an old article I'm reading. O. Henry wrote The Gift of the Magi also. Well... That's where I'm going. I'm going to read you the first chapter. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so this magi walks into a bar. Um, <laughs> it means to succeed or to work or to be able to accomplish something. But why mustard, you ask? Nobody knows. And that's the best answer that I could find. Nobody knows? No one knows why. Somebody knows. Somebody knows something. Just like in the book that I just finished reading, or listening to rather, uh, called Chaos, um, about the sea, it's like called Chaos, Charles Manson's CIA and the secret history of the 60s. 
somebody knows something in that book too and that's very interesting but so you should mail that to me huh you should mail that to me mail the book to you i read it on i don't have the book um i read it on uh i listened to it on audible Mm, no thanks it was so great and you know what I'm glad that I did read it on, uh, listen to it on Audible, even though I'm, that's not t- typically how I like to ingest literature, um, because I got through it, like, really quick, in, like, four days, and it's a huge, 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 huge book. But I think I'm going to buy it anyway, because I want to, like, re- go over it. It was amazing. I just can't focus when it's on, like, if I'm listening to a podcast, I zone in and out of it. I just can't, I don't have the attention span. Right. Well, either way, however you read it, you really should read it, because it is absolutely fascinating and everything we thought we knew about Charles Manson and the Manson family and why they committed those murders is untrue. <laughs> it's really just because of mind control and MKUltra and it's fascinating. Anyway. I feel like he definitely killed those people because he was mad about the music thing though. That is part of it but the whole reason he was kind of mad quote unquote about the music thing with Terry Melcher and Brian Wilson and stuff is because they, he was basically like, I don't want to blow it, but it, it, just read the book. It has a lot to do with um, MK Ultra, and basically, like, he was a, a bit of a lab rat, and thus so were his um, his children. Great, I love a conspiracy theory. Yeah, it's pretty well researched. It's really the great. story with um, him and not Brian Wilson, but the other Wilson brother who died. Oh, Dennis Wilson. That's what I meant to say. Dennis Wilson. It's so sad. It's very sad. Dennis Wilson also put out a solo record, which uh, Becky's boyfriend Adam put me on to a couple of years ago. And like, it is one, or a couple, not that long, I don't even know what month this, but a while ago. And it's a great record. It's really yeah, it's fun. really good. It's really sad. The whole thing with him is, yeah, it's really fame just destroys people. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he died. It's such a sad, he went out, like he drowned in just like a little bit of water at the yep. beach. It's very sad. Anyway. Very- I'm reading J.G. Ballard's High Rise, which is, uh, you know, he wrote it in the 70s, and they made a terrible movie out of it not that long ago. But it's essentially about a very tall, all, like, inclusive high rise where they have everything in there and the societal breakdown um, that ensues. The very first sentence of the book is the character, the main character, eating... An Alsatian, which is a German Shepherd in British terms. Um, he eats the dog? He's barbecuing an Alsatian on his patio. Ooh, I gotta read this. This sounds great. <laughs> um, I love a good dog cue. Yeah, so it's it's already pretty interesting. Cool. And I got it a long time ago at the bookstore. I just love to go to the used bookstore and buy books that I'm never gonna read. So now I'm reading them all. Cause of course I do the same thing. I have so many fucking books in this house that I've not read. So, but, uh,. Oh, should we get back? Let's get back to mustard. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. This was a great, a great tangent, but I feel like people are waiting on bated breath to hear more about mustard. Mustard. (laughs) (laughs) There are 40 species of mustard plants. Okay. Three species Mm. that are used to make mustard that we eat are black, brown and white mustards. Um, Now white mustard originated in the Mediterranean and is the ascendant of the bright yellow hot dog mustard that we eat. Now, that mustard is not naturally yellow. There's no yellow mustard seed. That's just from turmeric. It is from turmeric. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's so interesting because I one time made mustard for myself out of oh. mustard powder. Yeah, uh-huh. And vinegar? 
Mm-hmm. And it got hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter the more it sat in the fridge till it was completely inedible. But it was really... <laughs> I'm just picturing it, like, taking over your whole apartment. <laughs> it just, like, it, you know, as, like, it, the flavors melded more, yeah. I it just became inedibly hot. It was too hot. <laughs> is mustard related to wasabi? Uh, that's, I believe wasabi is horseradish, but I'm sure they're probably in the same family. I would think. I don't know. I don't have that many research, though. Interesting. Okay, moving on. Moving on to more hot, ripping, hot mustard content. Um, According to Mental Floss, some say that mustard was the first condiment that humans ever put on food. Really? Yeah, the Romans ground it up, and they made, like, a paste that they... It's basically like regular mustard today. They put, like, wine and vinegar in it. And then the French did the same thing. Um, And the Egyptians, like, thought it was so holy that they would put the mustard seeds in their tombs with them to bring it to the great beyond. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, we simply must have this mustard. Okay. So wasabi and mustard are of the same plant. Oh, so they're related. They're the same. They're cousins. Genera. Yeah. Okay. Horseradish and mustard are of the same family of plant. Makes sense. It does the same. It like produces the same kind of tingly feeling. Yes. Yeah. In your butt. Um, Pythagoras endorsed, um, mustard seeds as a course as a cure for scorpion stings. And just in case anyone doesn't know who Pythagoras is, he invented the Pythagorean theorem. Yes, that's right. And he was a philosopher and a mathematician. He said, <laughs> the, uh, "In case you don't remember what the Pythagorean theorem is, the sum of the angles of a triangle equals two right angles." He also came up with the my favorite shape, the dodecahedron. <laughs> 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 What's a dodecahedron? A dodecahedron is like a cube, and I believe it has ten sides. No, deca. Yeah. I guess deca means ten. Yeah, a dodecahedron sounds stupid. Yeah, it's great. It's the coolest shape there is. Um, and then Hippocrates praised mustard paste as a miracle remedy uh, that could cure su- uh, aches and pains. I think that's Hippocrates, buddy. Hippocrates. Hippocrates. (laughs) And then he... say the Hippocratic Oath is the doctor. (laughs) Exactly. The oath, the oath, his famous oath, which which comes all the way back to what I was just saying before. Um, He came up with the Hippocratic Oath, the first of which says to do no harm, which in my book that I was just reading, the doctor's... um, who were the military doctors who were in M- involved with MK Ultra totally violated the, the Hippocratic Oath because they harmed people on purpose without them by giving them acid and making them kill themselves. I mean, acid doesn't make you kill yourself. They were experimenting with it in such intense ways that like they, these people were like losing their minds and jumping off buildings and stuff. That one guy did jump off the building. That guy, we don't know if he jumped off the building. This book surpo- supposes that he uh, was thrown out of the window of the hotel. Really? Resort. There's a movie about him. Yeah, it's crazy. There's so. Please read this book. It's, it's so fascinating. <laughs> okay. It's really, it's amazing. Um, okay, so now mustard's touted as a weight loss supplement, asthma suppressant, hair growth stimulant. Joe Biden. <laughs> Maybe he grew his regrew his hair with mustard. <laughs> yeah, people used to people used to use mustard plasters for their breathing. Oh, wow. It's like a very vintage thing to do. That does sound very... For tuberculosis, maybe? Oh, wow. Hmm. 
Um, most of today's Dijon mustard is not from Dijon, surprise, surprise. Um, but mustard goes back to the area of France from when the Romans conquered the Gauls and brought mustard seeds with them. And then if you fast forward... They're like, to, check this out, dudes, we're colonizing you, but here are these. <laughs> Here's some delicious, tasty, tasty mustard. They're like, pardon me, they're getting like murdered and raped and pillaged. They're like, pardon me, do you have any great people? <laughs> the great Roman Empire <laughs> must take over the world. I mean, I'm glad, I love mustard, it's great. I love it too. If the Romans did one good thing, I was bringing mustard to France. I so love then, the Holy Roman Empire. I love it too. <laughs> I, I'm glad you said that. Um, <laughs> they started selling it in Paris in the 13th century. Uh, and then fast forward to Great Poupon with that advertising campaign, they like changed mustard to being classy. Like before that mustard is just another, you know, basically just another spicier version of mayonnaise. It was never like that classy, but the whole great coupon campaign made it seem like something that was very upper echelon. In America. But in, in America. France, people had always been putting it on their fancy charcuterie platters, right? Yeah, but I don't know that it was ever fancy. It was just another condiment. Like I, I mean, think- that's true, because you often eat mustard with pâté, which is not really... Like, country pâté was not fancy. It's like no, not at all. The we food of the peasants. Fancy. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, um, then I just wanted to also mention some other random mustard facts. Um, in southern Wisconsin, there is the National Mustard Museum, which has more than 5,500 jars, bottles, and tubes from all 50 states in more than 70 countries. That's cool. Uh, yes, as soon as quarantine is lifted, we're going. Um, and then Pope John the 12th was so fond of mustard that he created a new Vatican position called the Grand Moutardier de Pop, the mustard maker to the Pope. You're kidding. What year was that? <laughs> I have no idea. I stopped looking there. What pope were we on now? Like three million. Oh well, okay. This was in this was BC, I guess. <laughs> this is when he was with Hippocrates. Ah, um, uh, great. So then I just started randomly googling mustard murder, and I don't know why. I just wanted to find mustard really- gas. Did you get to the mustard gas part? <laughs> Yes. Well, I actually absolutely <laughs> mustard gas because it's sad and terrible, but it is made from the same mustard plant, I think. Like, I think the gas derives from the mustard plant. Well, yeah, you don't want to get that shit in your eyes no, and no. breathe it in. Hell no. Um, so, okay, London, 1987. A civil servant strangled his wife because she put a pot of mustard in a newspaper on the wrong side of his plate at dinner. Thomas Corlett, wow. 58, is accused of killing his wife, Erica, 63. I guess he probably killed her because she's so much older. At their suburban home on December 12, 1985. He has pleaded innocent. And December 12th? Alleged- so close to Christmas? Come on. I know. I, what a fucking asshole. And the 80s were a crazy time. In an alleged statement to police, Corbett said, It was her fault. I always placed my newspaper on one side of my plate and the mustard on the other. She moved my paper and put the mustard on in its place instead, saying, That's where I want it. That's where I will put it. So then he grabbed her and uh, grabbed her throat and strangled her. Well, I'm telling you, that's not the first time he's strangled her. Uh. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm sure, like, it's just not just about mustard. Then I wanted to tell you quickly about a little gentleman named Colonel Michael Mustard. <laughs> named what? You bl- you blanked out. Colonel Michael Mustard uh, from of Clue fame. Love, 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 love. So in, I started reading Clue fan fiction to what? find this out. 
Um, so oh apparently God. Colonel Michael Mustard was born June 29th, 1924, and he is, quote, a gallant military hero whose glittering career hides a tarnished past. He learns from the strong... He learns from the strong and deals quickly with the weak. He believes that casualties are inevitable in war, and it is usually the sole survivor in the battle. The colonel enjoys an adventure and must always succeed succeed at battle, no matter what, even if it means betraying his allies uh, and to the, defeat his enemy. He became this is crazy. He became the boyfriend of the glamorous actress Miss Vivian Scarlet. He was an old friend of Mister John Body from college, who was mysteriously murdered. First of all, he never dated Miss Scarlet, and this guy, the movie Clue is based on a video, or a, a board game, so. I know, well, this is what apparently fiction uh, suggests. Now, in Googling Colonel Mustard, I also found in an urban dictionary, giving someone a Colonel Mustard as a sex act is when a girl goes down on a guy, and he ejaculates in her eye, causing a severe burning sensation and subsequent winking of one eye, much like a Colonel's monocle. Huh. I, that's uh, that's that's a deep cut. <laughs> it's rude, but I it may or may not have happened to me. Um, in Ew. the movie, he was played by the actor Martin Mull, who is a really mm. famous character actor. Totally. Uh, we I had his Wikipedia or his IMDb pulled up, but now I, I don't have it anymore. So you'll have to just ID me it for yourself. And then I was also curious well, I like about my favorite line from Clue. Not my favorite line. My favorite line is flames on the side of my face, but. His line where he's like, I came into money after the war when I lost my mommy and daddy. I just said that to someone <laughs> recently. Really? Quoting Colonel <laughs> Mustard all I over mean, town? I can quote that whole movie. It's one of my favorites. Oh, interesting. I've only seen it a couple times. Um, I should maybe I'll rewatch it tonight. And then I wanted to just quickly, I, I looked up very briefly, uh, Mean Mr. Mustard from the Beatles song. And apparently, quote, Mean Mr. Mustard was based on a miserly miserly man, John Alexander Mustard, about whom Lennon had read in the Daily Mirror on June 7, 1967. Mustard, a 65-year-old Scotsman, had been taken to divorce court by his wife due to meanness. <laughs> and that's what the song was written about. Some hmm. mean man that he read about in the newspaper. It's good to know he was reading the paper. I know. So that's all I have to say about Mustard. But I feel like that's a lot. Um, yeah, I just thought of something. I want to see how much mustard I have in my, how many different kinds of mustard I have in my refrigerator. I have a lot. You should guess before I count. I'm going to guess four. Four? Mm -hmm. Okay, hold on. Okay, great. Here we go. I'm opening my refrigerator. Oh my god. Okay. One, two, three. Seven. Whoa, can you tell us what kinds you have? I have French's yellow. Mm -hmm. I have Dusseldorf yellow mustard that comes in an adorable tiny beer sign. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I, I know that one. That's cute. Yeah. It has I like have, a little handle on it. I have the Miley, uh, basically it's the, it's the Dijon mustard. Uh huh. I have a honey mustard. I have a. Um, what kind of honey mustard do you have? It's. Do you ever have the honey cup honey mustard that comes in a dodecahedron shaped bottle? <laughs> I have it, but I don't currently have it. That's my jam. That's like my favorite condiment of all time. I have Ingo Hoffer traditional Dijon mustard. Mm. And I have uh, 
have a grain mustard. Oh yeah, it has a little, little pop to it. You know which yeah. mustard I really like is the Lowen, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but the Lowen extra hot mustard. Yeah, I love that stuff. That's what yeah. I actually, I have that, but I use it all. I use it all too fast. Yeah, that's really nice mustard. I just um, eat it by itself. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, Rudy, our friend, used to make, uh, when we were very poor and in college, he used to make condiment sandwiches all the time, which oh, yeah. I'm super into. Just like a, a couple pieces of bread with some ketchup, mayo, mustard, relish. Delicious. When I was a kid, my, we used to get like Linden frozen bagels or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I would make a toasted bagel sandwich with American cheese slice and mustard, and that was it. Oh, that's delicious. That it's great. really good. I'm into that. Um, what are your top three fave condiments? Well, I love mustard. Um, I love ranch dressing, as no one who's ever listened to this podcast would be surprised to learn. <laughs> um, you can say five, too. I don't care if it's three. I mean, I love condiments. Yeah, I really love... I love ketchup. I love ketchup. I love and it. And I love hot sauce. Like, I have, like, 30,000 hot sauces in my fridge right now. Yeah, you know what's a real red flag to me, which I've realized, and like the person who I was dating for the past year and a half didn't like mayo, and like he likes condiments, but he's not. I need to be with someone who's enthusiastic about condiments. And yeah, I mean mayonnaise. So I have a friend who doesn't like mayonnaise either. I honestly will, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Um, I think it's just a way for people to not eat fattening or potluck foods <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah it's very elitist not to like mayonnaise well it's also just a way to be like well i don't know how long that egg salad's been sitting out at this potluck grandma mm. so i'm just not gonna eat it but oh that's interesting you, you can eat it after it's been sitting out for eight hours it's fine but um i was never a big mayonnaise person i mean like i said i grew up eating miracle whip which is much sweeter than regular mayonnaise so I was just sort of indifferent to regular mayonnaise for a long time, but now I'm I'm really on board with it. It's good. It's, good it's stuff. delicious. I mean, I just feel like like in all seriousness though, I'm not even kidding. Like for me, and everybody's different there. I mean non condiment I think non condiment people should stick together. And condiment people should stick together. It's a very weird lifestyle to try to mesh, right? Like for a, <laughs> I know, like a long term partnership or marriage or anything like yeah. that. But like, like, if you have french fries, you have to have 125 dipping sauces, in my opinion. I, I agree, and I think it, more than any pickiness with eating, obviously, as someone who's uh, the most unpicky eater ever, it's hard to deal with any kind of someone's pickiness. And when I meet new people who I'm, like, thinking about maybe dating and I see their eating habits, if they're picky about anything, it is difficult. But I've realized that most things you can get over. Like, people, oh, I don't like dairy. I feel like I could get over that. I feel like I could even perhaps get be okay with vegetarian but a non-condiment person is actually where I think I have to draw the line because <laughs> it just speaks to like not like anyone who could eat a dry sandwich is a fucked up person well I feel like so I understand why people don't like mayonnaise like it's sure. it's, it's eggy like you know there is like something there you know yeah. we have friends who don't like eggs like there's there's an element there that I can understand the repulsion but when people don't like ketchup if you don't like any condiment, yes, not liking mayonnaise, sure. Maybe you don't like just ketchup. But there are people who generally just don't like condiments, and those people are not people that I want to have sex with, or at least not that I want to go on vacation with. I just think if you general. don't like ketchup, what is your, that mean? that implies something deeper. It's rude. Darker. You're rude. If you don't like ketchup, you're just like, 
kind of rude. You're just like a brat. You're a rude brat. That's my thing. <laughs> you're like an elitist, like, oh, I didn't like ketchup. Ketchup is gross. I'm like, no, ketchup is delicious. It's not I gross. like We're ketchup bread. and mustard together, but some people don't like ketchup on a hot dog. I love ketchup on a hot dog. Those people can go to hell. What, a what real hot dog right off the grill with some ketchup and some mustard on it. 100%. And that's great. Here's the thing. I will put on as much of any condiment that's around me. So if I'm around a hot dog and there's an unlimited amount of condiments, I will put on ketchup, mayonnaise, mustard, relish, hot sauce, honey mustard, like pickled onions. I don't even give a shit. I don't even care if there's, I don't even really like hot dogs. I'm just eating a hot dog as a vessel to deliver condiments to my face. Like, Oh, that reminds me. Um, so in my relish research, I found this article in Serious Eats where they go through regionally and talk about all of the different hot dog toppings that there are. It's mostly East Ooh. Coast. I don't know if they even have hot dogs on the West Coast, but um, it's mostly East Coast, and it's really, really interesting because there's all these like weird relishes. I almost just wanted to do my whole segment on that. So check out, like, it's Serious Eats, it's regional relishes, and it's so fascinating. There's, like, this one that they basically, he made, like, a caramelized onion relish because when there was rationing during the war, he wanted to make a relish that looked like chili. Ooh. And now it's, like, I don't know. It's just really, it's also, like, it's one of those things that's sort of dying is, like, the regional thing like that with the hot dogs and with all sorts of stuff like that. It's just, like, you know, there's this, like, one thing in Connecticut that's basically you can only find in these three hot dog stands now and... It's stuff like that that I really find really interesting. It's like I'm like an ethnomusicologist, but for food, whatever that is. Ethno-food-ecologist. Yeah. You're a condiment-ecologist. Also, I'm really glad that, like, about an hour before this episode, I realized we were doing condiments and not condoms. I thought you had said condoms, so I did all my research on condoms. Just on condoms? Yeah. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Or I like how in England they say condoms. Condom. Oh, condom. mm. condoms. Condoms. Condom. <laughs> Condom. Well, this was an enlightening, fascinating episode. Yeah. Really. I loved it. I really loved every minute of it. I feel like it may have been my most favorite episode that we've done in a long time. Yeah, I don't know. I think this one was a little rambly. But if you stayed around for the entire thing, you get an award, which is our respect. <laughs> Ooh, you know... I have one more question. Do we consider salad dressing a condiment? Well, I do because I say ranch. Right. So I also love Thousand Island. but It wouldn't be my favorite, but I do love it on a sandwich. Like on a on sandwich, sandwich, it's so good. Yeah. Oh, it's basically, okay, actually my favorite condiment really is just, I was a picky eater when I was a kid, like a lot of kids are. And my favorite condiment when I was a kid was something my mom called magic sauce, which is around all over the place by different names I think in Utah they call it like fry sauce but it was ketchup mayo lemon and relish and I would put it on like I wouldn't eat chicken without it like whatever vegetable I had to eat I would dip it in there hmm I just I was not a relish fan so I don't like tartar sauce because of that which is sort of like what that is is like a tartar sauce right yeah it's like a tartar sauce with ketchup it's delicious roast chicken with magic sauce is really still something that very much speaks to me I never have it but I would totally go for it right now. Also, French dressing, which was what my mom would always eat. My mom would always mm-hmm. eat the craft French dressing Love and we'd always eat ranch. French. But, like, that's not really, like, on, like, my mom would eat that shit on fucking iceberg lettuce, which is, yeah. like, 
to me, not good. <laughs> no, I loved that. It's basically just like putting ketchup on your salad. I mean, we yeah. get Catalina dressing, which is even more ketchupy. <laughs> like even more orange than yeah French. maybe it was the french the, the craft catalina i can't remember but she was into that but you Ooh. made that at brucey one time yeah we would make that but i mean it's really good when you make it homemade because you can we used to use um san marzano tomato confit so we would just mm -hmm. like kind of slow cook san marzano tomatoes honey garlic red wine vinegar olive oil i think that was it and um it makes a delicious dressing really good yeah it's just really interesting to think because like yeah she would just as a kid i was like that stuff is gross it's just like sweet ketchupy yeah yeah you have to really be in the mood for it i don't remember what we'd use it with i'm just saying it could be it could be a condiment instead of a, a salad dressing i agree i think it could be a i mean would be delicious on french fries honestly so my mom used to make this tuna salad that i keep telling my sister i'm gonna make but i keep not doing it because it's so not I don't have any of the ingredients but she would make this tuna sandwich like tuna frozen peas um, macaroni mm -hmm. and miracle whip and oh. it was delicious we would also eat that on slices of wheat bread Ooh, that <laughs> even though good. there's macaroni in it yeah um, that's good yeah so it's in the hot, the how to boil water cookbook that she would cook out of a lot that also has tuna puffs in it um oh yeah but in that book there's red onion and like parsley which she just never used but um Amazing. yeah cool. it was great can't wait you should definitely make it for our next uh our next outdoor barbecue which is gonna be <laughs> if All i right. can find miracle whip it's like a it's a miracle to find miracle whip these days <laughs> bada bang on that note um, this has been an amazing condiment episode and, uh, I love you and I can't wait for next week when we do condoms. Great. Okay. Amazing. Everybody stay safe out there and please, um, go ahead. If you have some extra dollars, I know everyone's pretty strapped these days and there's a lot of things to donate to, but, um, please, please, if you can support heritage radio, uh, we're a member supported network and we really could use your help now more than ever. So log on to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate and hasta la pasta salad bye bye, bye. life's banquet is powered by simplecast thanks for listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.